Hi, this is Bob Wells here, and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Sloan. Paul is an experienced speaker, course leader and facilitator. A recognised authority on innovation and creative thinking, he speaks and gives workshops to leading corporations around the world. He's also the best-selling author of How to Be a Brilliant Thinker, The Innovative Leader, The Leader's Guide to Lateral Thinking Skills, and he's just brought out his latest book, Lateral Thinking for Every Day, Extraordinary Solutions to Everyday Problems. And today, we're going to talk about lateral thinking. Hello and welcome to the show, Paul. Hello, Bob. Great to be on here. So just a bit of history before we talk about lateral thinking. Could you just tell us, please, a little bit about yourself, what your life journey has been like and how you decided to become involved in what you do now, please? Well, I was born in Scotland. I was brought up in Blackpool, uh, went to a boys' Catholic grammar school. Uh, from there, I got into Cambridge University uh, to study engineering. My first week at Cambridge, I met a girl from Manchester at a dance and... Uh, Last year, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. So Congratulations. A long story. Um, after university, I worked for IBM in manufacturing. Then I went into sales. I became top of sales school. I became a marketing manager, marketing director for a software company, managing director, CEO of a software company. Uh, so I had various senior positions um, in leadership and uh, management. And then for the last 20 years or so, I've been running my own business, helping organizations to improve innovation through lateral thinking. Well, how would you define lateral thinking? Lateral thinking means coming at the problem from the side. Instead of coming head on, doing the conventional things that we've always done, building block on block on block, as it were, we come at the problem, we deliberately look for a different approach, an entirely different approach. Um, So it's about uh, fresh solutions, different thinking. And are these the sorts of things that that people would come up, you know, without sort of thinking about the term lateral thinking? Would they come up with them anyway, do you think? Of course. So it's been going on for years. And and you could call it creative thinking. You could call it creative problem solving. But it ranges from really uh, big business ideas, like Uber is really a, a lateral thinking approach to the problem of how do you move people around. And you can't incrementally change a taxi company to become uber is an entirely different approach it doesn't it's a taxi company that doesn't own a single taxi it's an app which is worth 60 billion dollars um and, and all it does is it links people who want to ride with people who are prepared to give one same with airbnb that's a, a lateral idea it's a hotel company that doesn't own a ho- single hotel room so that's lateral thinking in action but uh, people say, well, that's all very well for big businesses, but what about us? So I tell the story of a little old woman, and um, when she hears the front doorbell ring, she puts on her hat and coat, and she goes and answers the front door. And if it's somebody she wants to see, she'll say, oh, I've just arrived home. I'll come in and we'll have a cup of tea. If it's somebody she doesn't want to chat to, she'll say, oh, I'm just on my way out. Sorry, we'll have to meet some other time. <laughs> that's lateral thinking as well. That's a, that's a great story. Um, and is, is this, the, the fact we're talking about lateral thinking, we, we, you know, we've coined the phrase lateral thinking, is it a modern concept or, or is there any evidence in history that, that we, you know, we've seen it before and people have labelled it? Well, it's, it's, it was labelled by Edward de Bono in uh, the 1960s, actually, yeah. uh, as lateral thinking. But it's been around for a long time and we see great examples of it. Um, so the, the, uh, in warfare, you see many examples of, of it. The, the, um, the wooden horse of Troy 
is a very fine example of lateral thinking. They couldn't break the siege. They couldn't break the siege, the, the Greeks. And then they left a, a wooden horse outside and they all departed. And the, the Trojans pulled the, um, the horse inside the city. And we all know the story. Yeah. Uh, but a, a more famous example is um, Hannibal uh, crossing the Alps to attack Rome from the north. Nobody had ever done it before. It was a, an entirely new concept uh, so that he would um, attack them from an entirely different direction. And he brought elephants, and the Roman soldiers had never seen elephants. They had sharpened tusks, and when they charged and roared, they, the Roman soldiers were terrified of them. So he did a lot of lateral thinking, um, and, and he, uh, he used some very lateral tactics in his battles too. So we see time and time again uh, from ancient history right up until the modern day that creative thinkers have achieved breakthroughs. And yet people are resistant to change. People are very reluctant to try new things and, and they're settled in their ways and, and in their comfort zones by and large. And it's the lateral thinkers who, who rock the boat and do things differently. Yeah, some, some great examples there. Um, and you've obviously gone through some of the benefits of, of it. Do you think some people are naturally better lateral thinkers than others? Yes, I do. And, uh, you know, all children start off as creative and, and they, they ask crazy questions and they, uh, they come up with crazy ideas. You give them a box to play with and it becomes a castle or a boat or anything else. But as we go through school gradually and into work, all of that creativity and crazy thinking gets ground out of us and we become more and more conventional. Uh, but some people push back and some people deliberately look for different ways of doing things. Um, and uh, they're very useful in business is to have those kinds of uh, radical thinkers, unorthodox thinkers, people who uh, challenge the orthodoxy and are to some extent heretics. I guess we, and you mentioned it, you, know, you alluded to it earlier on. I mean, we, we tend to think of a lot of the work that you would do would tend to be in business, um, public service or, or the arts or whatever. Um, the, I mean, the demographic of the listeners that we get to this podcast tend to be guys and girls who are perhaps nearing retirement or in retirement do you think it's just as important for them as it is for people in the working life yes i think you can introduce more lateral thinking into your life at any stage and i think it will give you a more interesting life and make you a more interesting person um, and what i advise people to do is to try something new every day take a different route into work or, or go for a different walk uh, read a, uh, go to the library and take out some random books that you would not normally read. Uh, go to a museum or art gallery you've never been to before. Watch a film in a foreign language uh, with subtitles. And, just, just, and, and, you know, if you normally read the, the, the Daily Telegraph, read Private Eye. You know, if you normally read the Daily Mail, read The Guardian. Just, just deliberately shake up your routine in order to uh, stimulate fresh thinking. And what, what benefits are there in, in that, Paul? I think you have a more interesting life. I think you'll you'll um, discover new things. You'll discover new new routes, new methods. You know, um, there was a tube strike a few years ago, and um, people couldn't get to work on the tube in London. And because uh, people in London use the Oyster card, it's possible to track the movements of commuters. And uh, when the, the tube strike was on, people had to find different ways to work. And then they might cycle, they might take the, the train, they might take the, uh, the riverboat taxi or, all, or the bus, all sorts of things. And um, they had to find new routes to work. And when the tube strike was over, it was interesting to find that about 90% of people went back to their old way of using the tube, but about 10% didn't. 
they'd found a different way which was actually better, more attractive in some way to them, more pleasing than, than, than going on the tube. So when you're forced to find something new, when you, you, you deliberately try something, sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes you discover something really exciting and interesting. That's a, a great example. Um, you, you mentioned about children sort of na- it naturally comes to them. Um, how, how is it taught? How is lateral thinking taught in schools these days? Well, it's not. Um, so uh, kids at, at primary school are very creative and they're drawing and they're creating all sorts of weird things. But gradually as they go through school, I think a lot of that is ground out of them. They're taught critical thinking, they're taught logical thinking. Um, but to, in order to pass GCSE, which is the main exam at age 15, there are mainly multiple choice questions for which there is one right answer. Yeah. So if, the, if there's a question, you know, how many wives did Henry VIII have, then there's one right answer, which is six. Uh, but you, for many problems in life, there's more than one right answer. There are multiple answers. And um, A-level and even at university, you, if you regurgitate the, the set texts, the, the uh, pronounced um, views on most subjects, you will get a, a very good mark. And if you're a rebel and come up with really outlandish ideas, you'll probably be marked down. Mm. So we discourage creative thinking we, uh, on unorthodox thinking, heretical views. And we see it time and time again. Do you know what? I, that, that rings a big bell with me. I, I did um, A-level English literature. and We did some Shakespeare. And I, and I remember um, saying to the teacher, well, I, I think this, I think that. I, I'm going to put that. And, he, and uh, he said to me, not if you want to pass the exam, Bob. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so you, there's only one view on Shakespeare. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's that's quite. So, so it's yes, it's it's sort of drummed out of us as as we get older, isn't it? And and um, some people, yes. some people naturally. My wife actually carries on. She's very good at that type of thinking. Um, whereas I tend to, I struggle a bit with that. So hence, uh, this particular interview is very interesting for me. Um, so. Just tell us a bit about when you go into companies and, and get them to, because it's not just lateral thinking that you do, is it? it? It's, you know, creative thinking, generally lateral thinking tends to be one part of it. Can you just tell us a bit about what you would do with a, you know, a company, you go into a company, you have a team of people, what type of things do you do, Paul? Well, um, what I would typically do is I'd ask them, uh, what's impeding innovation in your organisation today? Yeah. And um, I explore that. And um, you get different answers, but there's a lot of commonality and uh, people tend to say similar things. And the most common answers I get are, we're too busy to try new things. We're not encouraged to try new things. There's no budget. We don't know how to do it. We are risk averse. There's a culture in the organization which is uh, cautious and risk averse. We work in silos. We don't work very well together. There's a fear of failure. These are the sorts of topics I get. And then typically... Uh, I'll take some of those and we'll brainstorm ideas for ways to overcome those. And there are many well-established types, but I like the the people to come up with their own ideas in their own environment for how they could um, find time for innovation or overcome a culture which is risk-averse and so on. So we look at these things. And and when I'm working with leaders, the interesting thing is when I work with leaders, I say, do you want more innovation? Do you want people to be more entrepreneurial and try new things? They say yes. And when I speak to people at the bottom of the organisation, do you want to try out new ideas? Would you like to be empowered to try new things? They say yes. And I say, are you? And they say no. Um, And there's a disconnect. The people at the top want more innovation. The people at the bottom want more innovation. It's not happening. Uh, And in the public sector, it's the worst of all. Uh, It's just the the, the barriers to innovation are very significant. 
And it's very often people in the middle, the supervisors, the middle managers, who are so busy working flat out delivering this quarter's objectives that they don't want any distractions. They don't want their staff experimenting with new approaches, trying new things, exploring sidetracks. So, uh, and this is something that has to be fought. And um, I see lateral thinking is the key that unlocks innovation. And innovation is something that every organisation needs and we desperately need in the public sector. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's interesting. I mean, having having worked in the corporate world for many years, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. Um, and in the work that you've done, Paul, have have you? Um, can you tell us about some of the you know stories where where you've actually seen the benefit of the work that you've done and and the results that have happened? Can you tell us any? Can you give us any examples of that? Well, yeah, but they mostly like to keep them quiet, to be honest, for a competitive advantage. I did a workshop with um, a big uh, Scandinavian pharmaceutical company, and they came up with a really great ways to improve clinical trials, uh, which saved them millions of, of euros. Um, I worked with the AA, and um, we came up with a scheme to promote their service centres. At the time, they had a range of service centres, and they wanted to gather information about motorists and their cars and when they, they would need an MOT or a service. And um, we looked at what resources they had. And they had something called the AA Atlas, which came out every year. And um, they, to cut a long story short, the idea we came up with was a thing called an Atlas Amnesty, whereby they, we said, to, if you've got a, a dog-eared old Atlas, come in to uh, one of the service centres and we'll swap it free for a brand new road Atlas of Great Britain. It will save you time. It's more accurate. And at the same time, we'll just kept down some details about your um, car and when it's due for its service and MOT. And it was very successful. It got um, nationwide coverage, uh, the Atlas Amnesty. It was a gimmick, but it it, 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 it did the trick for them. Um, and it was a piece of lateral thinking. Well, that's fantastic. And you got an environmental benefit with the uh, the recycling of the, the old Atlas, I guess, as well. <laughs> you got it, yeah. yes. <laughs> I think we, we're in a period of history where, we, you know, I think personally we've had a lot of innovation and creativity over the last sort of century and a half with the Industrial Revolution and the Computer Revolution, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems to have, I, I think it's just got to a bit of a a stop at the moment. We, we don't seem to have, I know we've got AI and all that, but we don't seem to have um, seen an awful lot of new stuff now. Cars are very much the same and et cetera, et cetera. What, what are your thoughts about contemporary innovation and inventions? Yeah, there is an argument that the innovation engine has run out of steam. Um, uh, if you consider all of the the innovations in, say, the kitchen, which occurred in the 50s and 60s with microwave ovens and tumble dryers and uh, all sorts of food mixers, that there's been no big innovation in the home uh, recently. Um, and things have stalled a little bit. But I think well, we're just going through a, a pause before we see the impact of some really major innovations. I think you're going to see driverless cars. It will take longer than we thought. You're going to see driverless trains and driverless planes pilotless planes you're going to see uh, artificial intelligence taking up a whole swathe of things it's going to transform medicine i think you're going to see little nanobots which you put inside the body which go through the body and remove cholesterol or, or fix things that are wrong you're going to see a personalized medicine where, where you get something which is customized for your dna to to uh, suit your uh, body perfectly so you're going to see um, a range of things in the next uh, 20 years which are going to really be transformative, I think. Uh, and of those, AI is the most exciting and in some ways the most worrying. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, we're almost, I always feel like, we, although there hasn't been a lot that we've seen visibly, we're, as you say, we're a bit of a dawn of stuff to do with medicine and operations and stuff like that. So, so hopefully things will um, improve in the future. 
Um, you mentioned earlier on about some of the things that people could do, not necessarily in the workplace, to improve their lateral thinking, improve the quality of their life. Are there any more examples that you could give? Well, I'd say the first thing you should do is get my new book, uh, Lateral Thinking for Every Day, which is packed with examples and stories and things you can do. And what I would argue is um, you should challenge assumptions. All the assumptions that you have in your life or in your business, in your social life, you say, ask the question, what if the opposite were true? Uh, what if we didn't need any taxis in our taxi company? You know, what if uh, we had unlimited resources? What if we had very few resources? And, and that uh, stimulates lateral thinking. Another thing to do is to ask very basic questions, very childlike questions. Uh, and this can stimulate lateral thinking and, and creativity. And there are many examples in the book of uh, using childlike questions uh, to really challenge assumptions. And, and then the, another idea is to deliberately adopt a, a different point of view, come at the problem from an entirely different direction um, and, and uh, position yourself differently. Uh, think about the problem not from the point of view of uh, whatever you are, but from the point of view of a priest, a priest or a mechanic or a doctor or a, a comedian or a gymnast or uh, something else. Uh, how would um, Sir Alan Sugar handle it? How would... Bob Monkhouse handle it, how would uh, an astronaut handle it, and so on. So um, deliberately using those techniques can be useful in any walk of life. That's really interesting. And that's all, that, all those sorts of examples are in your book, are they, um, Paul? They are in the book, well, we'll yes. Put the, uh, obviously put the um, link to the book in, in the show notes. So finally, where, where can people find out more about your work, Paul? Well, my uh, website is destinationinnovation.com. There's a little hyphen between the destination and the innovation. So destination-innovation.com. You'll see me on YouTube. Uh, I've got a TEDx talk on there uh, called Are You Open Minded, which has had over 150,000 hits. So that's that. you can see me in action there. And that, that I've got a channel on YouTube. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me, Paul Sloan, on LinkedIn. I'm happy to link with uh, with you. And I'm also on Twitter. I'm uh, quite prolific on Twitter. I've got 40,000 followers. And I'm at Paul Sloan, uh, S-L-O-A-N-E, uh, on Twitter. So uh, lots of places you can follow me or um, get in touch. Well, finally, thank you for that. And, and finally, before we go, I just had a lateral thought, which is a bit worrying. Um, if we've got anybody... <laughs> If we've got anybody listening who fancies doing something like you, where, where you, you know, go into companies and you show your expertise and all the rest of it, what advice would you give them? Um, I, well, I, I would give them this advice. I'd, I'd buy this book, High Income Consulting by Tom Lambert, which tells you how to set up in business as a consultant and how to promote yourself and position yourself. Uh, and it's a very good book. Um, but read, read extensively, become an expert in your field and then uh, promote yourself, and it's a challenge, but it's very rewarding. And um, uh, an outsider's view is often very valuable in a company because they, they tend to think in the same groove. Uh, and somebody coming in from the outside who can just ask very basic questions and challenge some of the thinking can be very helpful. Oh, that's great. Well, Paul, this has been a really great conversation. It's been really interesting to learn more about lateral thinking. And I think it's been useful to discover more tips and advice to improve creative thinking in general. My guest today has been Paul Sloan. Paul is author of Lateral Thinking for Every Day and many other books. And you can find a link to Paul's website on the show notes. Thank you for coming on the show, Paul. Thank you, Bob. I enjoyed it. You have been listening to Undercurrent Stories. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. 
Please feel free to share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I will be most grateful if you would please rate and review. To hear more episodes, please subscribe to the show and visit undercurrentstories.com. If you leave your email in the link, we will notify you as soon as new episodes are released. Also, check out our social media links, details of which can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best.